We're here today with Dave Chalker, designer of Thief's Market and GetBit. Welcome to Design Diary, the podcast where you get to look inside my board game design notebook as well as what's going on inside my head. We look at a new word each day from the sense of mechanics, tone, theme, or inspiration for a full game. Today's word is... Hooba. A person holding many public or private offices, a person in high position or of great influence. Pooba. So Dave, what do you got for this? So I actually went to the uh, the Wikipedia entry for Grand Pooba because <laughs> that was the first thing that kind of hit me. Just a Flintstones picture? Like... Oh, that's the thing. <laughs> like it actually, apparently Flintstones took it from Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh, really? Yeah, and when you add grand onto the front, it adds a level of self-importance. <laughs> well, I'll do that too, but it's it's less – so like the, the definition we looked at is more just kind of general somebody who's important. Yeah, of course. But grand poobah but suddenly becomes like more ironic in a way. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I love the great. And the one definition I have says Samuel Goldwyn. This is like the example. Samuel Goldwyn was so impressed with the with the film, he sent a fan letter to Paramount's Paramount's Grand Pooba, Barney Balaban. So mm. there apparently was a a Grand Pooba at Paramount, and I don't know how close Paramount was to. Fl- I don't know the, who owns what. Right, um, right. But I, I do love. I just love that. Yeah. So design wise, it kind of took me down this road of uh, uh, partially down like worker placement kind of stuff. Okay. But like you know, a lot of these games in kind of like the, the meta theme that they don't really go into, it's like the player is the grand pooba in a way. Yeah. It's you're the one telling all the meeples where to go on the board on an even turn. Yeah, I guess if you like step back a little bit, it is definitely that on almost every game. It's neat. Right. But if you kind of drill into that direction, it's like there's no actual scenario where like the boss both gets 100% out of the workers that he's bossing around, right? Yeah. Like they're not always going to completely follow your orders. And in fact, in some cases, like if you micromanaged a worker too much, you know, it kind of backfires on you. Yeah. Is there, that just made me think, is there anything where like taking the word worker, literal worker placement, where you fire a, one of your workers, like, is there anything that does that? Yeah. I've heard, like, I've seen prototypes that have, uh, kind of gotten around that idea, but I've never seen it really (laughs) fully executed. Nobody's ever gotten it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's kind of a depressing theme when you think about it in some ways. Yeah, well, the word that I had t- for today was lugubrious, which oh, yeah. is mournful, full of sorrow. It's exaggeratingly mournful, and just on Board Game Geek, I've been having people like chime in with their thoughts, and all of them just go very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my whole thing is slap fantasy on it, and suddenly it's not depressing anymore. It's true. <laughs> so you're So in this case, you'd have to be like the goblins that you're firing from the, you know, the, the tinkering workshop exactly. or, or something to make it less sad. Yeah. Rather than you're the <laughs> office worker that you have to fire. Yeah. Who has a family. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and like they're depicted on the card, of, uh, like the family of the people you're firing. Now I just saw a game 
uh, I forget who designed it. I know uh, uh, it was it was. Um, oh my god, why can't I think of who it is? Used uh, Michael used to do a podcast from England. Um, why can't I remember his last name? Um, used to work for Game Salute. Um, anyway, Michael. But he uh, he designed a game that has a really deep like real life theme where I can't remember if it was somebody was sick or it was a breakup or something, but it was one of those you could see it in the art and you could see uh, you know the emotion mm-hmm. in it. And that's one yeah. of those things that if you can nail it from an artistic level, it's amazing. Um, but it's it's just hard. It's just really hard. Like yeah, Fog of Love. Like I haven't played that. Oh yeah, I'm I'm super interested in trying that at some point. Yeah. Um, if I go on a slight tangent because it just reminded me (laughs) one of my very first like attempts at a full game design was when i was in uh uh, in college as an undergrad and i took all these hippie school classes because that's kind of where i was yeah and one of them the class was called land and struggle and we had to do a final report in groups on zimbabwe okay and you know, the professors were like, well, it can't just be a paper. You've got to do something, you know, that's interactive and this, that, and the other. And, you know, we really encourage you to think out of the box. And initially we were just going to, we were going to do like a website. And then when we were talking with all the other groups, it was, became clear that every single other group was also doing a website. <laughs> so I was like, why don't we do a board game instead? And oh. totally got my, um, my group down with that idea and we did all this research about like the the land in Zimbabwe and you know classic like resource style like which um, parts of Zimbabwe are like better for farming and have these resources and whatnot and kind of incorporated that all in. And you know the good news is we were the only group not doing a website during the final presentation. <laughs> the bad news is like we got panned for like quote-unquote, not taking the situation in Zimbabwe seriously. Oh, of course, you brought it, the children's game into the mix. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of an early lesson on on theme in a number of ways. Meanwhile, you know? like, you make that game, and it's published, and no kids will have anything to do with it, you know? No. It'll be that, you know, heavy ga- Euro game that is appreciated by people, unlike yeah. the teacher, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the ultimate point was like that. I, I, I think at the time it was more like games can't tackle a subject this serious. Yeah, which I'm sure as like you know sophomores we didn't really give it the <laughs> full uh, framing that it really should have. But uh, still, I don't know. It kind of stuck with me a bit. Yeah, I know. I, 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 we made a game in one of my classes, and I, I just remember it being so terrible, but we fought over who got the ticket home. That was the big thing. <laughs> like, it was just stupid, unplayable, and, and dumb, but we all wanted to keep it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So um, I sort of thought of this word for just, just briefly, because I consider these weekend ones my break from my design diary, but I do <laughs> think of them just a little bit. And... I really just kept thinking about those games. Like, have you ever played like the, um, uh, who made it? Uh, Hunter, the newer version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't played the new one. Okay. I don't know what the old one was like, but basically it's the kind of game where you, um, where one player is, is kind of in charge and calling the shots and you're kind of voted into that position and you're, you're giving money out to all different players face down. They look at it. 
they put it back down and, and at the end of the round they decide whether they want to keep you in in office or wherever your position is or or vote you out and i kind of think of those those games where you have the grand pooba and somebody's just kind of calling those shots but trying to stay in that position without upsetting everybody else or you know by sneaking them a couple dollars here and there mm-hmm. uh, I it's like, one of those things where you kind of have to have different goals that like the object of the game is not to be the grand pooba but it is a part of the game you know yeah exactly there's definitely a point where you want to shift out of that mm-hmm. and uh you know because you can i guess you you have more control when you are that but you can gain more victory points when you're not that or something along those lines <laughs> Yeah, but there I are different it. goals along those lines of, you know, there's there's responsibility that comes with it, and you know that might factor in some other way. Yeah, exactly. I like a lot of games like that where with just that that shift, it's it's fun and it's sort of asymmetrical, but not asymmetrical. Like there's an asymmetrical role, mm-hmm. and it touches on that one versus many, but you're sort of with them. Like I love that that blend, and then it gets very social. It's yeah, and it's fun. also easier to to self balance in that way. Where it's not, it's both not attack the leader because you know you're you're involved in selecting yeah. the leader, but it's also not, a, you know, we started out with these different things. <laughs> it's you know, part of the strategy is someone getting into this role. Yeah, that's that's cool. There was a game that I made years ago that I don't remember a lot about, and it never made it past like a a prototype that. I made that cost me way too much money, but um, it was my favorite thing about it was it was a pulling dice from a bag and rolling, and the it was all about voting and you're trying to vote somebody into office and the person in the office was the one who got to pull and got to choose some of the dice dice that they roll and things like that. But what it was was you had um, a die for every player and then that put that was who you were voting into office this turn um, was the die that you put in. And then the results, I don't remember what the results were. It was I guess the results of the die roll determined if the person shifted out of office or if the, or like how they fell on the spectrum. Like if they went into <laughs> the main office or if they went below or whatever. It doesn't matter about any of it. It just had a cool name and it was Dimocracy. And that was like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was my, like, that was my fuel for building that game was this name that I went out and bought all these different colored dice so it could play up to eight players and you had to have one of every color and. Uh, and it it just disappeared because one I didn't have enough people to play test, but uh, Democracy still lives with me. I love that name. That, that is a great title. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say you you had designed Hunt of the Dice Game, or Hunt of Dice or I, something. I know. I, but uh, that is a much better title. <laughs> yeah, Hunt of was probably an inspiration. It was probably right when I got that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. So um, the one thing that I wanted to mention was that I where we met each other or kind of where I found you before you knew who I was, was years and years ago, you know, you designed get bit. When, when was that? 2009? Uh, the original, or even before kind that, of, uh, super almost self-published run was in 2007. Wow. Yeah. And the first published one was, uh, robot martini. Was that what the yep. name was? That was the one. And yep. that was the first published one. Mm-hmm. So I still have that version. And it was funny because I knew about it from something completely outside of board games. And it was that I was a huge fan of Palisades toys and the guys that worked there. And I started working with them on some, I did some web stuff for them and some, I got some like credits on some of their Muppet toys just for 
like reference stuff and just like mm-hmm. probably just being a fanboy <laughs> more than <laughs> anything. But uh, I remember they made these little these little figures and they were called pals and they were just these block figures and it was really early in the block figure um, thing that took off for years after that. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that there was this board game coming out, board game coming out with it, and it was Get Bit, where you you know the sharks bite the characters and you pull them apart, and it used the mold for the same block figures. Yep. So like I would play with my X Files characters instead of, or you know there were Die Hard ones, there were just all kinds yeah. of cool ones, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I would play with them. And I'd, I'd be so gentle with them so they didn't break. Um, and I'm still the same way with the ones that come with it. I'm just so gentle with them. Just being a toy collector, I know how things can snap and I'll cry about it. Right, um, right. But yeah, no, I found out about that and it, it's such a cool connection, you know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, did, I hadn't realized you had, you had actually worked with those guys. Um, yeah, I should yeah. show you. I did a... I, should, I don't know if our things got the parental levels, but I... One of the guy, the guy that created the character, the, the the figures, I hooked up with a guy that created the art for a whole line called, they were called cock blockers. And they were all, it was the block figure line of all these just like terrible characters, kind of like garbage pail kids, like that, that kind of potty humor, but one step above it from a, you know, an adult level. And yeah. I did like the website for it and I made all these like samples of the characters and, uh, it was right around that same time that this was probably right when my daughter was born, 2007. So it was right. I was like really deep into it then. And now oh, the yeah. guy that made those cock blockers did the artwork for twin stars for me. <laughs> and like, it's like such a weird, like all everybody's connected. Small world kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 So I, um, I was working with a guy at the time who worked for Palisades. And so some of those early Gip it prototypes, once I had decided that I would, once like the game didn't start that way using those kinds of figures, they were just like pawns with uh, little tokens and stuff. And, you know, at some point I went, Oh, I should use something that you tear the limbs <laughs> off, you know? And so, yeah, I have some of those like diehard and Buffy yeah. figures somewhere, but uh, you know, initially part of the talks were, okay, we've got this mold for these articulated figures. We're going to use those. But it was a lot more expensive to put any kind of actual paint on them. Yeah. Because we really wanted to have, you know, they'd have faces and stuff. And uh, it was just so much cheaper to just do, like, solid color plastic for each of them. And so that's the way we eventually went with it. And then eventually there were ones with paint on them. The pirate one, right? Yeah. So those are stickers. Oh, they're stickers. uh, Okay. Yep. when, When Mayday picked it up a few years later... And, you know, one of the deluxe editions that they did started including stickers. So it kind of wrapped back around, but they're still not like, like those old figures were spray painted on and everything. Yeah. I was involved in the discussions in, in creating that, that Cockblockers line. And part of it was, it's, it's not even the, the paint, it's the molds that yeah. will section off like, like screen printing. It's like the molds were like, I don't even remember. It was like $10,000 or something just for the line of the first six characters. So, you know, the mold for the character was one thing, but then the molds just for the paint ops was was a ton. And there was things where it's just like, all right, well, now we just got to cut the colors down to half as many colors. And then, uh, you know, from there, it was just like, now they look half as good. You know, right. Like that. 
So, but, and those license figures like needed a hairpiece, you know, oh, to be able to to yep. give Dana Scully your hair and stuff, <laughs> and that's like another mold. I am pulling them out tonight. I love those figures; <laughs> they're my favorite. <laughs> yep. Well, that's cool. That yeah, th- that goes way back. And I remember just the Robot Martini box was just like this cool, like it was just different than every other game I had at the time. Um, and that's the version I still have, so it's fun. That's the version that does not have a shark in it. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's kind of a collector's item. <laughs> but we had the Lego shark, so it worked yep. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so I totally missed getting your contact info because we were just chatting. So tell everybody where they can get in touch with you. Best place to find me is on Twitter at Dave the Game, and I post big things on my not very often updated website, critical-hits.com. Cool. Well, this was a lot of fun, so I'm glad you got to join me, and uh, we'll do it again. (laughs) Yep, sounds good to me. All right, thanks.